Here's the trick to a startup. When you start a business, it's just you and you have to ask anybody you know to help you. So it's usually just friends. You're not really looking for the most talented people in the industry at that point because they wouldn't hop on your train for all the tea in China. So I started with a few friends and got it to the point where it was operable. Okay, so we have accounts, we're selling, we're making garments. So it's really starting to roll. Women are understanding what we're doing. The fit is great. And I realized the more success we found, the more ambitious I got. And the more ambition I got, the more I realized I need smarter people than me. I need a lot more smarter people than me. So where we're at at this point, through a million mistakes, we have a team now that is experienced, has been there and done that before I even thought of going there and doing that. So I have really smart people, analytical people, people who calm my ass down and make me focus. I have people who could be licensed psychiatrists having to deal with me. But we have one hell of an operation, thanks to the funding from my partner that helped me get to the point where I could get through all those mistakes and find a team that can get us to where we want to go. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, Thanks so much for joining us, and please subscribe, rate, and review the show on either iTunes or our show page at www.mod.golf so that you'll never miss the latest engaging story with my amazing guests. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Joanne Cloak, who is the founder and CEO of the women's golf apparel brand, JoeFit. If you listened to last season's final episode from the PGA show in Las Vegas, you would have heard my brief yet awesome conversation with Joe. After getting just a taste of Joe's entrepreneurial story and tell-it-like-it-is approach, I knew immediately that she'd be perfect as a Season 5 guest. Along with her entrepreneurial endeavors, Joanne was recently named by the LPGA Women's Network as one of the 22 women who are disruptively spearheading a revolution in golf. So I look forward to hearing her views on disrupting, evolving, and transforming the game. So with that, Joe, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Oh, I'm thrilled, Colin. I I can't thank you enough for inviting me to the Mod Golf podcast. This is a pleasure. Thank you. Good stuff. As you asked well, last time we got together, I know you just love being a good Calgary gal, that you certainly love to throw around a couple of cuss words every once in a while. So you know what? Feel free to just spell it out like it is, Joe, as we uh, have this conversation today. So you have my permission. Awesome. There you go. Not that you need it, but I know you well enough now that you don't need permission and you do not ask for forgiveness. So that's part of the rich tapestry of who you are. Okay. Well, fair warning. It's going to fly. Okay. There we go. So, hey, let's get started. Let's expand upon where we left off at the PGA show. And for our listeners that haven't had a chance to listen to that episode yet, tell us a little bit about yourself, your personal background and your entrepreneurial journey. And let's just start, we'll dig into Joe Finn and what you're doing there, but bring us up to speed of where you started and how you got to the aha moment with Joe Fit. So go for it. Tell us that, please. Okay. I was an athlete most of my life. Grew up in Calgary playing a lot of hockey and volleyball and softball and Went to college, didn't finish college, but I met my husband there and we came back to Pennsylvania, had three kids. And I went back to college after I had three kids. I became a phys ed teacher, spent a lot of time teaching tennis and walking courses with my son, who was a junior golfer. And I became addicted, as we all do, to golf. 
still am trying to get as good as I think I can be, but never going to get there. Oh, I, so frustrating. I swear to God, I'm a good athlete. I'm just not a good golfer. Enjoy the club. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's so fun never to be as good as you think you could be. It's a never-ending challenge, which, God, I love a challenge. Right? Yeah. I, I hear you. Yep. So that's that story. So playing a lot of golf and really frustrated with the fit. And mm-hmm. between marrying my husband and having our first child, I did a lot of modeling in Philadelphia and New York, some print work, some commercial work, and a lot of fashion week work. So I was not a happy model. I'm not pleased to be standing in front of a camera. I always wanted to be behind the camera. I wanted to be behind the photographer telling the photographer what to do and telling the model what to do. I'm just so freaking bossy. (laughs) I did not want to be a model, but I knew Every time I went to a job, I'd put on the clothes that they wanted me to model. And I think, are you kidding me? Why would you make pants that fit like this? Or why would you make a shirt that fits like this? Come on, people. It's not rocket science. And when I started getting frustrated trying to play golf, and I just want to play. I don't want to tuck or retuck. I don't want to fuss. I don't want to worry about what I look like. I'm a competitive athlete. I just want to kick your ass and look good while I'm doing it. There you go. So I kept thinking nobody is giving a shit about how these things fit. No matter what kind of money I was spending on golf clothes, I couldn't find anything that actually just fit correctly. I'm not odd bodied. I'm not by any means perfect bodied. I have issues like every other woman and I needed answers that weren't offered. So I decided I'm going to do it myself. It's funny. I, I made a billion mistakes and do you want me to retell this story about how I found my way? It's such an amazing story. The, you know How you found the courage rather than just like a lot of wannabe entrepreneurs are just grumbling about stuff with their friends over a beer or a glass of wine is actually just making stuff happen. And you did. So tell, please tell us this story because it is awesome. Okay. So I Googled pattern makers and fabric houses and I went to New York and I had samples made that were absolutely horrendous just horrible. And I knew I needed the best performance fabric and I didn't know how to buy it in bulk and order it the way I like it and get it made the way I liked. So I decided to find somebody who knew more than I did, as goes everything in my life. I know nothing, but I like to find the people who know everything I don't, which is just about everybody you can find. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to a apparel manufacturing headquarters in Philadelphia, and I tried to walk in the front door and the lady at the front desk shook her finger at me. She said, this is a secure building. So I thought, good, now I have to figure out a way to get it done. Right. So I went home and put on a dress and heels and I walked around the back of the building, a massive chain link fence. And when the UPS truck drove through the chain link fence, I walked in with it. And I walked up the steps to the loading dock and through the warehouse and asked the guys in the warehouse, which way is the production manager's office? They all pointed me when I got inside the building, I found my way to his office and I opened the door to his office and sat in front of him and said, I need your help. I'm starting a clothing line and I don't know how to do it. And he looked up at me and I told you before that he said, who the hell are you and how'd you get in here? But he he looked at me and went, who the fuck are you and how'd you get in my building? So he was just an absolute doll. His wife's a phys ed teacher, his daughter's a field hockey player, and so was my daughter. We had a lot in common. He helped me. 
he found an agent for me in Hong Kong. Oh, did I tell you this story about going to Hong Kong? Uh, you did not, but weave it in. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. So I came home and I said to my husband, I'm going to Hong Kong. And he said, no, you're not. He's working two jobs. We have three kids, you know, scraping by. I said, nope. I'm going to Hong Kong. He was pissed at me for five years. Have you ever been to Asia before this? Have never. You ever been? Like, <laughs> never. <laughs> no, okay. never. Didn't right. know what I was doing at all. So I emailed this agent and I tell him I'm going to be there on the 27th at 1030, right? So I fly to Hong Kong. I get off the plane and I'm scared shitless. I don't know anybody. I don't know the language. I look around and everybody's holding a sign and not one sign has my name. And I start standing there and I'm just screaming his name now. Oh boy. I'm just yelling to the crowd, William, anybody here named William? <laughs> and he wasn't there. And I didn't know what hotel I was in because he had booked my hotel. So I found a cab and took a cab to a god awful, horrible holiday inn in Hong Kong. Stayed up all night calling my husband, trying to call my friend at the other apparel company right. that pointed me to this guy, trying to call this guy, emailing him. There's no answer. And it's the middle of the night in Hong Kong now. So the next day, all morning, I'm doing the same thing. And finally, I get an email to him and he responds to me and he said, I was at the airport all day yesterday and you weren't there. And I forgot that our days are a day after their day. I screwed up. I was so scared. We worked with him, we made samples, and we launched our line at the PGA show. That's right. As it turns out, there's a lot of women out there that were as frustrated as I was about a fit. A respectful fit is all I'm asking for, something that makes me look better. I don't care what size I am or what age I am. I want to look better than I look in a bad fit. I want to hide my saddlebags and my <laughs> armpit ass and my flappy arms, and I want to look better. Not perfect. And I don't want to be perfect. I don't want to lose weight. I just want to look better and I want to play like hell. There we go. Here, just for some context, just to just jump in here for a second. With this Hong Kong experience, timeline-wise, what year was that? And what year did you launch at the PGA show? So that was 2006. And we launched at the 2007 PGA show with our first set of samples. Then I got in a little Prius and my husband's still going, you are not doing this. <laughs> I kept, and my sister, my friends, my best friends, everybody saying, well, Joanne, just stop. What are you doing? Stop it. And I finally looked at all of them. And, and what killed me the most was my sister saying, she's usually supportive. And she said, you know, maybe the universe is telling you this isn't going to work for you. And I said, you know what? I'm a train on the tracks with right. no brakes. That's how I felt. I said, you either get on or get the fuck out of the way because I'm going. There was no stopping me. My poor kids. Nice mother, huh? <laughs> so, oh. okay, I have to ask you this because you just threw out so much goodness there that I got to, I don't know where to start, but I'm going to start here. <laughs> I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs, both in the golf industry space and also it's in the startup space. And the ones that I love the most and are successful, and I include you in this group, Joe, they all seem to have this common thread of certain personality traits or having, as I call, superpowers. I talked to Michael Breed about this a couple episodes earlier about traits and characteristics and superpowers that we all have. And I think you're very much like me when I started out. I didn't know anything about the golf industry. I'm an architect by training oh, and cool. worked in the sport realm, but I looked 
back now, I think one of my greatest superpowers is ignorance. If I would have known how hard it was at the beginning, I would have never have tried and to end up where I am now and where you are. So I think ignorance is one of your superpowers there, Joe. Oh, you know what? And I'm ignorant about a lot of things. <laughs> so it, you're not kidding. So many people said the golf business is too difficult. Don't do it. It's not going to work. The apparel business is too difficult. Don't do it. And the stats of how many people fail and how many businesses fail. And not only am I ignorant, but I'm, I'm not absorbing what they're telling me. <laughs> I just was like, nope. I'm not listening. I'm not listening to any of you. Uh, but you're certainly, you're tenacious, you're resilient, and, and you are, even though you don't listen that much, but uh, <laughs> but at least you're curious. I don't know, in a way you say you don't listen, but I have a feeling a lot of these things, a lot of the advice over the years has sunk in, even if you're not willing to admit it. I'm, I'm going to call bullshit a little bit on that one. That <laughs> Obviously, some stuff has sunk in, otherwise you wouldn't be where you are. One thing I want to touch on here as we continue the journey of Joe Fit to get to where you are today is it does take a village. And obviously between, well, your sister telling you not to do it, but obviously there's other people that are helping you along the way between partners and mentors and advisors. But one thing I'm really curious about here too is like back to Hong Kong again, how are you funded? Did you bootstrap this? Friends and family? Do you have any money or are you just kind of bullshit your way through this thing to get some samples done? Well, I, at that time, I had a parent at the school I was teaching at who was backing me and it wasn't working. We didn't work well together. It was too slow for me. You know, I'm just too ADHD and I can't meet you once a week on a Monday for 30 minutes to discuss the color brown. Right. That's not yeah. going to work. Yeah. So I had gone to Hong Kong with that funding. And when I got back and I launched, I found the world's best partner, who is my brother-in-law. Uh -huh. And I had no intentions of asking him to do this with me. He was visiting me. And I was telling them what I'm doing and how excited I was. And, I, you know, I'm just about bursting. I'm so excited with what's happening. And he left and my sister called and said, why didn't you ask him? Al wants to know why you didn't ask him. And I said, oh, I didn't even think that was an option. So don't ask, you don't get. Now the poor guy, that poor dude. <laughs> so he's a silent partner to the point where he's almost mute. He doesn't get involved. He lets me make my mistakes. He funds my mistakes. God bless him. And I am the queen of mistakes. But in the same vein where I find people who know more than I do, here's the trick to a startup. When you start a business, it's just you. And you have to ask anybody you know to help you. So it's usually just friends. You're not really looking for the most talented people in the industry at that point because they wouldn't hop on your train for all the tea in China. Mm -hmm. So I started with a few friends and got it to the point where it was operable. Okay, so we have accounts, we're selling, we're making garments. Right. But as we started expanding, and the fit is is like crack. If it fits, women want the same pant in every color you make it in. So it's really starting to roll. Women are understanding what we're doing. The fit is great. And I realize the more success we found, the more ambitious I got. And the more ambition I got, the more I realized I need smarter people than me. I need a lot more smarter people than me. So where we're at at this point, through a million mistakes, we have a team now that is experienced, has been there and done that before I even thought of going there and doing that. So I have really smart people, analytical people, people who calm my ass down and make me focus. I have anal retentive design people who are within a quarter of an inch of a pattern right. that help me make this fit just perfect. 
I have people who could be licensed psychiatrists having to deal with me. But we have one hell of an operation, thanks to the funding from my partner that helped me get to the point where I could get through all those mistakes and find a team that can get us to where we want to go. And I want to get into this. It sounds like the culture you're creating at JoeFit, that people are coming along willingly now from top to bottom, not only your community and the fans you're building as far as your customer base, but it sounds like also the people that are working with you that have been with you for a while. So let's pivot a little bit and talk about that. So how would you describe the the culture that you have within JoeFit? How does your organization work and what's the size of it? Give us a little bit of an insight into that, what keeps everybody motivated and excited to be part of what you're creating. Well, if you aim at nothing, that's what you're going to hit, right? Uh So Mm -hmm. we all work with goals and we're just in the process now of putting together new budgets and new goals. But we all feel the possibilities here. We all know we have an opportunity here for a massive brand and we're planning for a massive brand. It's becoming more of a brand that you can live in. You can play golf, you can play tennis, you can work out, but you can live in a lot of this apparel. It's a lifestyle brand at this point. And we see the forest for the trees. And I have people who have grown entire forests before that are walking me through this, including financial people that see what's happening, that they're helping me walk through this. It is such a moment of getting all our ducks in a row. We're just building a new SAP for our ERP. (laughs) I couldn't even have spelt SAP or ERP a few years ago. You're talking like you own it now. There you go. Yeah. Jeez. But we're building the infrastructure because we see what's about to happen. And all divisions. So we wholesale, we retail, we have brick and mortar, we have a website, and now we have a new technology that I'll share with you next time I talk to you about how we're going to help our retail partners sell our brand. It is so much fun, but we are gearing up for what's about to become a massive snowball rolling downhill. So right now, everybody's, they're all in. You can't not be all in right now. We do take a minute here and there for fantasy football because God forbid I'm not all about football 24-7. Other than that, we are a very, very busy team. We have about 40 full-time employees, and then I think we have something like 26 reps out on the road. Right. So it's a machine at this point that what I love about that is they're so good at this. As long as there's a lot of communication, and once a week we sit around, we have a what's new meeting. Every Tuesday morning, the entire team squishes into the conference room and we go from person to person, tell me what's new. What'd you do this week? Where are you going? What's your problems? And every single person in the company has to tell us what they're doing now, what they're struggling with and where they're going. And it helps a cohesive team. And I keep saying, I'm nothing but a coach. When I was a phys ed teacher, I was a coach. And it seems like that's what I'm good at. I just want the best team and I want the team to work together. I used to always say, if you're a problem on a team, it's like a cancer and you'll infect the whole team. So you have to be surgically removed. You cannot have a cohesive team with a little pocket of cancer in there. Yes. And I've worked at many architecture firms in the past that had that toxic person that just pretty much ruins everything in the culture. And and unfortunately, that the leadership hasn't extracted or cauterize that particular person and nothing but bad things happen. So it sounds like you're getting out in front of that. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you too, while we're still talking about the culture of Joe Fit here and what you have internally, 
I'd like to hear as far as innovation, how you encourage as, as a coach, as you put it, I think it's a great metaphor to use that you're not the boss, even though you are, but you are a coach, you're helping facilitate and encourage and have everybody reach their potential. Right. How do you continually innovate within JoeFit to look at the next two, three, five years and, and beyond there as this, as I'm sure you very well know, Joe, that the women's golf market and the game now is just expanding exponentially and that your timing could not be better with all the hard work you put in in the previous decade and a bit. So how do you internally with JoeFit encourage innovation with people not feeling that if what they put out there will not be accepted or even if it's not the greatest idea, at least you're putting it out there and at least we'll listen. So how do you do that? within Joe Fit? You know, everybody deserves the right to be creative. Everybody deserves the right to try. So let's try it. We have a guy that is writing copy for us now. He's in the marketing department and he used to run our warehouse for us. But this guy can write, man, is he talented. I had him write something for me for some odd reason. And when I read it, I thought, what the hell are you doing in the warehouse? And I put him in the marketing department. Now he's writing all of our copy, all of our hang tags, all of our everything. He writes scripts for videos that we make. He's just brilliant. He's funny. But it's not difficult to show your creative side or your talented side in an environment where people want to hear it. Everything's acceptable. The design team now, the only thing I stand by, I'll live and die by, is don't design something that's already been designed. If we're going to be in business to answer the problems a woman has with her bodies and create solutions for it, don't make something that somebody else has already made. Innovate and create. And so everything we do has to solve a problem, whether it's an armhole or a shirt length or a tight with spandex in the waistband or pockets or anything. Everything has to solve a problem, but it can't be on the market already. And it's funny because since I've started JoeFit, I see companies making my knit Mina skirt. Uh, there's two or three companies out there literally making the exact same skirt that we created. And I, I'm not angry or insulted or flattered. I think, why would you do that? I don't even understand because it's already on the market. That doesn't make sense. You have fabric and creative people and a factory to cut and sew anything you want. Why would you make something that somebody else is already making? Well, it's interesting. One thing we talk about in the podcast is this business methodology called Blue Ocean Strategy. And I think you follow that. You're not looking to compete with everybody else and race to the bottom and copying what other people are doing. You're looking to create and unlock new markets and expand and innovate in that way. So you're certainly following that pattern. So I'm assuming within the culture there of design, and you already answered the question here, but to reinforce this, that you're not looking to others to see oh, what they're doing, what trends are emerging. It sounds like you are looking other places to actually create yourselves to, to stay ahead of that, to create that Joe Fit aesthetic right. that seems to resonate and position your brand. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I, just like creating the company itself, there was a need. I had a need for a better fitting brand of clothes, so I created that. If it was existing, I wouldn't have created it. I would have worn it yes. and gone and played golf. Well, I, I love that as an entrepreneur, 
And I work with a lot of young entrepreneurs, fledgling entrepreneurs that are just starting up as a mentor. And one of the things I tell them, and somebody will look at something and think it's a really great idea, and they won't dig into, is there a problem? Is there a pain point? Is there an opportunity? And you have obviously done that in the very essence of that. And that's been really your inspiration and your passion to actually move things forward. You saw the problem and you were suffering from that pain. Right. Whereas you hear quite often that you see, and I did see these at the PGA show. I'm not going to name any names of companies or products, but kind of shake my head sometimes and look at what they're offering. And it's, as I put it, they are a solution looking for a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I'm thinking you're not going to make it here because you haven't analyzed. Does anybody really want this? Have I found customer product fit and quite literally with what you're doing fit? Yeah. Right. So you've obviously done that as an entrepreneur. So with that, I want to springboard into this because we have a lot of entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs that are listening to the podcast, both in the golf and the non-golf space. So what advice, Joe, based on everything you've done over the last decade or so and the lessons learned and the mistakes and the tips that you would have, what advice would you give for entrepreneurs starting right now? I get approached actually quite often by people who say, I want to start my own business. Can I sit with you? Can I ask you questions? And I always say yes, because God forbid my friend at that apparel company wasn't there to help me. I don't know where I'd be. I'll help them any way I can. Right. But you know, the minute you start speaking to somebody, whether that person is going to have what it takes to get this done, you know that within five minutes. If they're asking you how many hours a day do you work, it's not going to work. Because I always say, if I'm awake, I'm working. Right. It's got to be something that you don't have an option. When I was starting this company and now with the growth and the trajectory and the divisions and everything else I want to do with this company, it's not an option. Unless I'm dead, that's an option. (laughs) But (laughs) I can't not do it. And if somebody's asking me because they can't decide whether or not they want to do it, then don't do it. it. It truly is life sucking. And it's That's a good thing if you ask me. I like to be busy and I like to be consumed by it. But if you don't want to be consumed, then don't do it. That's a great point. I was it's interesting you mentioned that. I was just talking at a pitch night. One of the things in Vancouver I do here in the startup space is I co-host every six weeks or so a pitch practice night for entrepreneurs starting out. And one of the things I said to them as they start out, it's like, how passionate are you about what you're doing? And also how willing are you to listen to get advice so that you can grow? And and I, I said this, Joe, I said, how many people here put up your hands like the saying, thank God it's Friday when you're working. And some people put up their hands. I said, how many are familiar with that Wednesday? notion of, oh, it's hump day. We're halfway there. And some more people put up their hands. And I said, hate to say it, but you need to actually get up and leave right now. Because if that's why you're doing this, then you're in the wrong room. (laughs) Entrepreneurship is not for everybody, as you know. You got to think about this. If you're spending five-sevenths of your waking time every week doing something that you don't want to be doing, that you're just waiting for it to be over, First of all, that makes me really sad that we're, we only have so much time on this planet and do awesome stuff. Yeah. But that makes me really sad that people are just not reaching their full potential. Yeah. And once again, it's not for everybody. I get that. But to hear things like that, obviously, I can tell Joe that, thank God it's Friday. It's not something that you say. You know what? I don't know how many people are lucky enough. And, and I should shut up because it's obnoxious. <laughs> but I am literally living the dream. I am doing exactly what I want to do. And when I take a 16 and a half hour flight to 
Hong Kong coach for nine years straight, still sitting there going, oh my God, this is so fun. I'm so lucky. The glamour. <laughs> uh, yeah, not so much, but it's creative. And I guess more than anything, creating is what really jazzes me. Changing directions with the company, adding divisions, creating the apparel, creating a team, creating, being creative. It's like freedom to me. I can't get enough of it. It's like breathing. Somebody let me out in an open field and I'm in heaven. Well, I think you and I are cut from the same cloth. I, I couldn't imagine myself going back to my previous life as an architect, even though that was a great 20-year, I'm going to show my age here, 20-year foundation to do all the things in the sport and the golf innovations that I'm doing now. But I could never go back. And I, I don't think I'll ever retire, to be honest. I'm just meeting awesome people like you. And I still believe the most interesting things that I'll work on, and hopefully the most lucrative things I'll work on, still lie in front of me. The whole idea of retiring and just hanging them up and just sitting around watching the world go by, no thanks. I have no desire to do that. But you know what? You may use those architecture skills sometime to create again when it's done the way you want to do. Oh, 100%. And I, I use those now I, with everything that I do, without question. Absolutely. God, I'd love to be an architect. That's, uh, well, okay. Well, you, there's always time you can go back to school. <laughs> I, can, I can recommend a couple of good schools, including the one that I went to. So yeah, we can talk about that later. Okay. Uh <laughs> But you, you have an apparel company to keep building here for global domination. But kidding aside on that, I wanted to ask you, let, let's kind of get into the numbers here. Because obviously you eat and breathe these. So the size of the women's golf apparel market now, both as far as the overall revenue and the trends, the numbers trending, let's say two, five, 10 years from now, that must excite you knowing this is an expanding market for you. So, so give us our listeners some of the numbers so they can really wrap their heads around that, Joe. Well, the female golfers in 2018, it depends if we're talking domestic or globally, because more female Korean golfers than male golfers in Korea. I think it used to be like 29 million golfers in this country. Do you know if that's still right? I remember when I first got involved in the golf industry about five, six years ago, when it was really on the decline, the numbers that came out were 20% of golfers had left the game, where golfers, if anybody, two rounds oh. a year or more. So about 5 million people. So to get your numbers right, yeah, about that 28 to 30, where now it's right around that 25 million mark. And now it's starting to grow a bit. And also they're including things like Top Golf visits there, the 10 million people there as also they're oh. counting that as a golf visit now too. But that's another conversation altogether. So yeah, you're about right. You're looking at around that right. 25 million domestic yeah. number. And I don't know, you probably know the numbers because you have to, of, of what percentage of that is women participating. Yeah. I don't actually, I used to know it. I don't know it now, but it's probably around 10 to 12%. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of the growth in the industry is female golfers. We are the growth of the industry. Yeah, it's so much fun. The message, if I could send one message to female golfers, just learning, there's a ton of girls in my office. They all want to learn to golf. Right. And every Friday, I take them over to the range and give them a half-ass lesson on how to swing the club. And I should not be teaching anybody how to golf, but it gets them to the point where then they do take a lesson from the pro at the club, but they all bought clubs. There's about five or six girls in my office that are in their 20s that all bought a set of clubs. And for their birthdays, I always buy them lessons. It's so addicting and they're really getting into it. My CFO just started golfing okay. this year and she's close to my age. She would like you to all to know that she is younger than me. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Duly noted. All right. I'm 56. She's 55. But she just started golfing this year and she is not a good golfer yet. 
But I keep telling her, nobody's good. I mean, when you get to a country club, it's so scary for these women to go out with the other women because they don't want to hold them up and they feel bad and they don't want to hold up the golfers behind them and they don't want to anger anybody because it takes them 10 swings to get 10 feet. There are so many women that are that bad and women support women. Men never feel bad if they're holding someone up, at least most of them don't. But Women support other women. Yes. And we're not that good. Don't think we're better than you think we are. I suck, but I'm really good at walking 18 holes with a pull cart and putting a rum and coke on each side of the cup holder. There you go. Nicely balanced. I don't care if you're good. Come play with me. I'll help you. You know, I'll give you a couple tips here and there. Probably wrong, but at least you're outside, you're walking, we're drinking rum, and we're hanging out together. It's heaven. You don't have to be good. You could suck entirely. It doesn't matter. That's why there's handicaps, right? Absolutely. Hey, it sounds like you and I would get along very well on the golf course. (laughs) And to that point, the fact you've invited these women at the office to come out and onboard them in a safe environment and a non-intimidating environment is great. And that's a nice segue into what We Are Golf just launched with their hashtag invite her campaign to grow women's participation also in conjunction with the LPGA Women's Network. So I'm very excited. It sounds like now there are multiple groups and influential people that are raising the tide to float all the boats, which is really exciting for the game. And it sounds like you have already been inviting women out for their first golf experience because it can be extremely intimidating. Of course, with us guys, if you've been around men long enough, whether it's in business or in life, we always think we're better at things than we actually are. And it's been socially acknowledged and documented that women are the opposite. They're more humble in that way. Whereas us guys is like, yeah, we think we're, you know, I don't have to convince you of this. We we think we're better at pretty much everything than we are, right? <laughs> well, some of you. Some of us. <laughs> I know I only have you for a few minutes more here, Joe, but I wanted to ask this is taking that, what I just said about with women's level of comfort with trying new things and endeavors. And obviously you just put on a dress and a pair of heels and just barge right in the back door there. But a lot of women won't feel that level of confidence. One of the things with entrepreneurship, and I've worked with a lot of women here in the, in the local market and innovation. So I know the numbers. And sadly, a TechCrunch report last year found that only 17% of startups have at least one female founder with no percentage growth in women-led startups over the past five years. Wow. And the investment that's been put forward is about the same, if not even less. But it's also been proven that women have over a 50% greater chance of succeeding with a startup to get to the level of you are than men do. That's huge. 50% greater chance? That's crazy. Absolutely. So that 50% is a combination of the difference in funds invested in women-led startups, which is almost half of what male founders receive, and revenue generated over a five-year period, which is 10% higher for women. Simply put, for every dollar of funding, women-led startups generated 78 cents, while male-founded startups generated less than half of that, just 31 cents. Also, the way that you socialize and ask for help and the way that you approach things. I work with accelerators and incubators, both here in Vancouver and nationally, that are helping women move forward with their startups and get the confidence and the tools and the support and also the funding to actually move forward. It's it's a better bet now to place your money on female founders of startups than it is with men. 
it's actually proven as far as the rate of return. And not all investors are seeing that quite yet. So you started out in the early days. Sounds like this is a bit of a, a new understanding for you. But just, I want to ask you this. What challenges have you had to overcome as a female founder with JoeFit? None. I don't think being a female has hurt me at all. I think it's helped. Mm -hmm. I am just stunned that we have a 50% greater chance of success. Will you send me that information you have about funding a female business because they're female? I'd be happy to. The answer is yes. I'd be more than happy to do that. Okay. And I'll even put that in the show notes. So if any of our listeners are curious to learn more about that, it will be in there. Happy to do that. Yeah. I can't imagine it would have been any different for me if I was male as opposed to female. And I do have to say, maybe sometimes it helps being female. It always, you use what you have to, to get indoors. Absolutely. And I've heard that from other successful women that some, and there's been some blowback on that. It's like, well, are you using that to your advantage? It's like, well, in a men's world, you, you do what you have to do. It's like, it's not like you've in any way compromised yourself. You've leveraged certain things to actually, to make things happen. Well, look at it this way. I'm in the golf industry. So if I'm selling to a female buyer, I have a feeling yeah. of sisterhood because we're in a pretty small pocket female golfers, right? So we understand each other. We enjoy each other because if you're a female golfer, you enjoy enjoying yourself, right? Yes. It's fun. And if I'm selling to a male buyer, if he's a pro, I'll take care of it for you. And here's the part where it helps being a female in this industry. He's probably a PGA pro. He's a teaching pro. He's not a merchandiser, but I know what his consumers want to buy because that's what I do. Right. So you know what? I'll write it for you. Tell me how much money you want to spend and I'll tell you what pieces they're going to buy and I'll ship it to you. So in my world, being a female is much better than being a male. Got it. Well, makes total sense to me. That gives part of your secret sauce, right? Well, it just works for what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Good stuff. You know what? Thanks so much for your time today. This has been an amazing conversation. I could talk to you for hours. My only disappointment is... You stop swearing after five minutes there. I'm, I'm underwhelmed by the number of cuss words you've thrown in here today. So next time we get together, you got to ramp that up a little bit here, okay? Okay. You got to piss me off first. I'll get pissed off and I'll let it fly. There we go. Okay, next time I'll find, I'll be more controversial. I'll find ways to make you angry. There we go. <laughs> we get to know each other here. So, hey, before we go, because I will include in the show notes some more imagery of the fabulous apparel that you do create with Joe Fit and, of course, links to both social media and to your website so people can find out about what you're doing but oh, i appreciate that why don't you tell our listeners here our mod golfers how they can learn more about joefit okay uh joefit.com it would be our website we have a brick and mortar store in newport beach california actually corona del mar and one in jupiter florida but if you go to joefit.com and go to the dealer locators you'll find close to two to three thousand accounts somewhere near you where you can go try it on it's all about the fit so you really do have to go try it on you have to understand it because with the mod golf podcast we have about 60 percent, 65 percent of our listeners are in the u.s about 20 percent are in canada so for our canadian listeners are they able to order how for online ordering if they order something it isn't quite the right fit or have, what's the process there as, as far as online purchasing so it works just the same for Canada as it does in the U.S. We did have a period there where we were charging the duties and we stopped doing that because 
we've built a pretty good business in Canada and we don't want to lose it. We used to have a distributor in Canada who shipped directly from Vancouver to our accounts. Right. We're in the process of building our own distribution in Canada. So in the meantime, we're inviting all of our Canadian consumers to buy at JoeFit.com, which is in the U.S., and we'll ship to you duty-free. So you're dollar for dollar as our consumers are, just the same. There you go. Good stuff. So, hey, why don't we leave it at that? So Joanne Cloak, who is the founder and CEO of the women's golf apparel brand, JoeFit, thank you so much for your time today and being on the Mod Golf Podcast. I have enjoyed this conversation. So thanks for being here. Me too, Colin. Always a pleasure. All right. I have a feeling we will run into each other in Orlando in January at the PGA show. No. So we can definitely get together for a rum and coke or two then. How does that sound? <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. All right. Have a good day. Okay. Take care, Colin. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Joanne Cloak, founder and CEO of JoeFit Women's Golf Apparel as much as I did. I look forward to seeing Joanne at the 2019 PGA Show as she just agreed to join me as part of our second annual Golf Innovators Panel. If you happen to be a PGA professional attending the show, please join us on Thursday, January 24th at 11 a.m. for a lively discussion about entrepreneurship and innovation in the golf industry. If you'd like to learn more about JoeFit and the information about women-led startups, go to our show page for images and links. I'd like to extend my gratitude and thanks to our sponsors, Fairway IQ, British Columbia Golf, and Nextlinks for helping make the Mod Golf podcast happen. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these stories from the golf industry's brightest innovators and influencers. Please join me next time as I speak with Jared Williams, Managing Director of the Golf USA Tea Time Coalition and advisor on We Are Golf's Millennial Task Force. If you enjoyed what you heard today, you can find more of our golf innovation stories on previous episodes at www.mod.golf or search Mod Golf Podcast on iTunes. And please rate, review, and subscribe to the show while you're there. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye for now.